making these new paintings or new sculptures or paint sculptures I often call them but I love how the rust makes them look authentic it makes it look aged and I love how you know like a lot of my work kind of you know it's inspired by landscape but you know like when you look at it you it's almost like some kind of post-apocalyptic landscape you know it seems a little disheveled and you know some of the colors almost seem a little you know, like toxic or something so you know I love the work kind of being a place you know to heal um, but I also kind of like that tension that's created you know like again with like rusted material that again just kind of you know it just makes it look like old rusty authentic not new not old, you know nothing that I even made almost like it just kind of happened. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 286th episode, I'm excited to be joined by Jake Wells, an artist and great friend of mine who utilizes a lot of mixed media approaches in his work that includes various types of painting, found objects, and kind of combining them in the most recent work to make these paint sculptures. And so we break down all of that, his interest in hiking, nature, landscape, water sports, kayaking, rafting and a lot more so again super excited to share this interview you can take a look at his work by visiting his website jakewellsart.com and of course be sure to follow him at wells paintings on instagram if you recently found out about this podcast i want to encourage you to head on to studiobreak.com we've got a bunch of different artists featured there each of our posts have images of their work as well as links to their websites and the archive goes back to 2011 so there's always something for you to listen to interesting conversations about art while you're working away in the studio so please check it out while you're on Studio Break, I would encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. It's going to be previewing some of the exhibitions at Studio Break Gallery, as well as opportunities for artists. And of course, we will be giving away a free painting by myself at the end of the year to encourage folks to sign up and stay up to date and informed. So head on over to Studio Break to check that out. Of course, if you are on social media, which you likely are, be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and be sure to follow, say hello on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. And with those announcements out of the way, let's get right into this interview with Jake Wells. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. Jake Wells, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic here in Knoxville, Tennessee. A little bit, a little bit cloudy out, but you know it's warmer than it has been. Nice, nice. And again, obviously, we've known each other for for quite a long time. We met in graduate school, so as I kind of told you, sometimes these conversations kind of happen when they they make sense. You know, we recently kind of explored uh, West Virginia in a in a raft uh, in the fall. So you know, again, that was a harrowing experience. Um, but again, super excited to have you on. Obviously, you know, you've been making artwork, all sorts of painting and abstraction and landscape kind of based work for a long time. So yeah, it'll be exciting to kind of break that down and talk about what's going on um you know obviously i always like starting out with the backstory so i just imagine you kind of being left in the woods and then some <laughs> your parents came up upon you that way just because i know nature is such a a big thing in your life but you know talk a little about where you're from southeast missouri and cape Girardeau. it's about uh two hours south of st louis it's on the mississippi river it's like a river town mm-hmm. that's the cape uh, you know 
where they would land the boats and stuff back in the day, the French folks. But yeah, yeah, uh, my grandfather was actually the uh, art professor at Southeast Missouri State University, SEMO. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was like, you know, for over a decade, he taught on faculty there. And he was even the chair of the department for four years of the oh, art wow. department. Yeah, so like, really, I uh, grew up, you know, like when you said, kind of funny, you say like, you picture me in the woods, because my home, childhood home, still to this day is just covered with his, my grandfather's watercolor paintings. And they're all landscapes, you know, like creeks, you know, Ozark rivers, mills, trees, that kind of stuff. The Mississippi River, train tracks, you know. And he does these like photorealistic kind of watercolor paintings. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see his style from the 70s to through the 80s. And by the 90s, he has like mastered his craft. It kind of had a little bit more of a folky look back in the day. So anyway, uh, he is who I'm named after, Jake Wells. Uh, he's Jake K. Wells. I'm Jake L. Wells. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, you know, I, I just bring him up because that's extremely influential to even having a family that was like, you know, one day when I told them, oh, I think I want to be an art major mm-hmm. in college. They supported it. You know, I think a lot of my friends, their parents were like, ay, 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 you know. Sure. <laughs> let's do something practical <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but uh you know like uh, just having that name and that you know kind of regional re- regionally known name i think my mom was kind of like excited like yay let's see what he does with it i think my dad was like oh, let's see what he does with it <laughs> <laughs> well right on so it seems like again pretty supportive then with the arts and and kind of doing that kind of stuff growing up. Were you like into sports or anything odd? I I don't know why. Maybe chess. I don't know. I'm just just kind of like imagining it telepathically. Uh, man, you know, like any of the games I really played back then would have been more like you know video games. Um, I, I never actually got good at chess. Um, <laughs> I always lose, just like Scrabble. I, I always lose. But a uh, hacky sack, man, that was my big sport in high school for <laughs> real. We would, uh, after school, we would go down to the band shell, uh, had this great platform. We would hacky sack uh, the afternoon hours away. Really, you know, I was going to say, like, kind of in high school, I think like a lot of us, I was kind of coming into who I was, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a little, maybe a little uh, lacking in the self-confidence, you know, self-esteem arena. And it was kind of cool, like whenever I went to undergrad, when I started college, like suddenly I was like wow like art like here's like the you know like it was my first identity you know I think I felt like in the past I was just like you know treading water but you know like whenever I actually had declared a major and was like yeah art it was like one of the first times where I felt like I was really owning you know who I am um, you know in my young life you know at that point in time anyway were you like painting with your grandpa and stuff like that when you're growing up? Were you taking any art classes in, in junior high and stuff like that? You know, throughout uh, grade school, high school, I was usually like the best artist in the class. You know, like, you know, especially like when there's only like 25 people in the class. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, you're the token artist. So I always had uh, that for me. Like, you know, I remember in like kindergarten, you know, they're all like, what do you want to be when you grow up and draw a picture? And I drew a picture of a, a baseball player, uh, mm-hmm. even though I, I still love baseball, but I never really played it much, you know, mm-hmm. like I never played it in high school or anything. But yeah, no, growing up, my grandfather, he would come visit 
and he would just sit there with this, you know, sketch pad and pencil and he would just draw you at the kitchen table mm-hmm. and like freaking nail it, you know, you know, like for him growing up, they didn't have, you know, all the distractions like we grew up with, like he drew to entertain himself mm-hmm. and he got really good at it, you know, just by kind of osmosis, you know, we kind of saw him draw and we learned to draw through him. But uh, again, being surrounded by all of his artwork, you know, all these realistic watercolor paintings, you know, it was always just an option. My parents had artist friends who would come over and, you know, like uh, one was a jeweler and she'd be like, oh, you know, called my, they called my mom Chaz. That was her nickname. It's like, oh, Chaz, I made you some new earrings, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, like, oh, you know, that uh, stone out of your grandma's ring here. I finally like cast you a new ring, you know. So I was very, you know, influenced by, you know, the kind of people that my parents, you know, invited into their home you know electricians and carpenters and mechanics and but you know lots of artists too i'm assuming then that led you to kind of going oh you know i'm gonna go to school or my i'll tell you a formative moment for me honestly uh right after i graduated from high school my grandpa passed that summer Mm -hmm. Uh, he passed in early august and a friend of mine, he and I got our first minor in possession that summer. <laughs> there was a beer truck at the local gas station. And, um, you know, we we're like, we opened up, you know, like, oh, we're on the side where the gas station attendants can't see us. So we uh, opened up, you know, grabbed some beer and somebody drove up behind us, turned us in immediately. You know, <laughs> my mom was like, wow, your grandfather died and you just got arrested. You know, like this is a lot for us to deal with right now, you know. <laughs> Um, so like whenever I started undergrad, I was like kind of fresh off of, you know, disappointing my family, mm-hmm. you know, the legal kerfuffle that, um, immediately like got a job at the university, you know, like working as much as I could really kind of like rededicated myself to you know, like academia. I also had, was on probation. So, you know, there was just a lot of kind of flying straight that mm-hmm. I had to do. Again, I was kind of in that cloud like I was saying earlier where I didn't really know what my identity was you know and I did know that like hey I could always draw well so I took a drawing class and Mm -hmm. I also took uh, art appreciation and you know this is my freshman year and like the art appreciation class was great gave me a much more well-rounded view than I ever got in any of my high school education you know art education Mm -hmm. and uh yeah I took that drawing class and I liked it and uh, it was funny in that class even the professor knew who my grandfather was. Mm-hmm. So when he saw like Jake Wells on the roster, he's like, Jake Wells, like, well, that's, you know, are you related? And he, he called me the legacy and that <laughs> became my nickname. Any of the people who were in that class, you know, for the rest of the five years I was there would call me the legacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever uh, the next semester, you know, I, I didn't have any art classes. I was doing, you know, just the normal university studies course and I hated all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, wow, I was kind of like distraught walking around on campus. And I like walked by the art building and I saw my drawing professor, Ronald Clayton, passing by his office window. And, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, oh, let's go talk to Ron. And basically he kind of coerced me into declaring an art major. Not only that, but also uh, declaring a painting emphasis. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I would emphasize with my art major. Looking back on it now, I mean, a might have done sculpture, you know, had there been a stronger sculpture department there. Mm -hmm. Ron Clayton was just one of the best art faculty that they had there. And he was a painter. 
And he knew that my grandfather was a painter. So he was like, you'll be a painter, of course. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I was like clay in his hands. You know how you are at that, you know, age. Especially, you know, like, I don't know, growing up, my father, um, he, he was a career National Guardsman. And he just never really said a whole lot. You know, like I was talking about earlier, kind of that lack of confidence thing. I think partially came from like having a silent father, mm-hmm. you know, who, who didn't kind of be like, you know, this is what I do. You know, you're just always like, is he mad at me? So, <laughs> that's how it is with silent fathers, you know, all that to kind of say like Ron Clayton, you know, and that art department there, you know, kind of gave me like an idea about what's next, who I want to be. So it's not like, you know, I went to that same school my grandfather taught at thinking like, you know, oh, I'm. I'm continuing the torch, you know, like it was very much like I'm finding myself and I kind of found that I had this, you know, origin story there already. (laughs) Well, and trying to piece things together, you know, it's, it's interesting, even though like the circumstances that you kind of described right before this are, are, you know, different in terms of trying to getting things in order. I think everybody's trying to figure that out at that age, you know, it's like, what do I really want to do? I don't really know anything. You know, I know that I like games and Subway, um, but <laughs> but aside from that, like to kind of have something that's more definitive is is kind of rough. I'm assuming then that, you know, just because of what we've talked about already, you know, the types of things that you were focused in making at the time, you know, kind of gradually kind of move towards landscape and, and abstraction and, and kind of real painterly kind of paintings. But maybe talk about some of the work that came out of that experience as, a, as an undergrad. Did you have like a, a big capstone kind of like exhibition at the end? A lot of my work in undergrad, again, you know, finding that voice, I felt like my paintings kind of straddled this, you know, is it realistic? Is it abstract? Mm-hmm. And I felt like a kind of wasted too much time asking that question. It's kind of like, it's both, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, and that's really how my uh, thesis show kind of turned out. It, it was these landscape paintings. When I got into college, um, I joined what's called a grotto and that's a caving organization. Mm-hmm. And eventually I became the president of the grotto. And, um, you know, like about every other weekend, we would have a trip that either I would lead or someone else would lead, you know, we'd go to like the longest cave in Missouri it's like over 30 miles long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes caving is about mapping, you know, like when I was there, it was more about photography. Mm-hmm. So we would bring in like, you know, that would make a flash happen whenever your flash hit it and just light up these huge chambers, you know, like these, these spelia themes that are like three stories tall. So highly inspirational. And a lot of that made its way into my work. So like when you see my BFA thesis, yeah, it's like, one of them is actually like a, I made like a cave formation out of like ceramics. It was an assemblage where I then bolted it onto uh, a panel and, you know, did like this kind of like, you know, cave scene. Yeah. Some other ones, you know, other compositions from that thesis show are, you know, based off of just cool cave openings that I like witnessed, you know, my own eyes and then, you know, like abstracted them in my sketchbook. So, yeah, really, most of my thesis was, you know, kind of surrounding that kind of quasi realism, abstract landscape with like cave influences to it. But it sounds like then you were kind of always using a variety of different materials to kind of explore. It was never just this one type of thing. And I think that's something that kind of carries over even to the current work where you might be using paint for something, but then it's the way that you're kind of combining it with other elements to kind of 
do something else. And that's something that's kind of fascinating to me because again, even like, you know, the work that I became familiar with, you know, when we first met was these really kind of colorful kind of invented kind of landscapes in the sense of the color. I would imagine they were all kind of based off of places, but even in the time that we knew each other in graduate school, that would eventually kind of lead to, you know, very straight, you know, materials explorations that were much more abstracted. And so that seems like it was always kind of a, a big influence. Was was there like a particular artist or artist that you kind of looked at that kind of did that? Was it kind of the influence from the people that you were around to kind of, you know, explore all these different materials and, and not be kind of set on this one, I am a painter or a drawer or <laughs> anything like that? You know, like the real material exploration began in grad school, honestly. Okay. And in undergrad, like, I love ceramics. Like, again, had I had a, a stronger influence, I might have been a ceramic or a sculpture major. Um, so to me, it just seemed like sky's the limit. You know, like, one thing that really bugged me was, like, my painting professor was very traditional. And he'd be like, oh, you know, oil paint on canvas, you know. And I, I, did, I didn't really like canvas. I didn't like the way it responded to the brush. Eventually, I didn't like brushes anymore either. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I started applying to grad school, that BFA portfolio didn't get me in anywhere. Mm -hmm. I spent the next year basically like redoing my whole portfolio and being like, uh, what do I hate about it? Oh, I hate these like tedious hundred hour oil paintings, mm -hmm. you know? So like I basically started being like, all right, brushes are out the window. My buddy, Craig Thomas, he's probably the leading muralist in my hometown. He had all these gallons of house paint and loaded up my, my trunk one day. <laughs> Oil paint's kind of expensive, you know? So I'd always been kind of conservative, you know, like with these more expensive art supplies. So part of me getting into the non-traditional materials was like, anything can be a support, you know, for a painting. I would still try to make it, you know, out of material that would last. You know, I don't want it to immediately like rot and fall apart. Mm -hmm. So generally my works, you know, it's got some longevity in mind. It's not just strictly ephemeral, but yeah, I started really getting into uh, using house paint. And what I loved about it was like, oh man, I'm going to say that when that paint dries, the painting is done. So like I did these beautiful plein air paintings. You can see one on my website. That's that first one from the plein air uh, category. Mm -hmm. I, that's a hundred hour painting. You know, I went back to that site, you know, after work every day set up, you know, in the same uh, lighting, same time of day and, you know, beautiful painting. But I was like, God, if all my art ever is, is just this, it's just, you know, it doesn't seem a lot, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you look at the abstract landscape category, mm -hmm. that one right away with the flying bats, that's the new style that I got into, you know, that's the house paint. That's where I'm using like silicone tip tools to like scoop out the bat bodies while it's still wet. I'm pre-mixing all my colors. I'm pre-sketching the composition to full scale mm -hmm. so that when I actually like start doing that painting, it can be finished in like 45 minutes, like when the paint has dried and it's done, you know? So uh, yeah, part of my moving towards the non-traditional materials was again, just liberating myself away from, you know, oil paint and brushes and canvas and, you know, Hey, it's still paint. But, you know, now I'm using a cabinet door. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I'm like pulling scrap metal out of like a, a dumpster and like painting on like sheet metal. So, yeah, that was kind of like the beginning of me turning away from that, you know, traditional material to something else. 
Yeah, and I would just you know make a, a note real quick again. That website is jakewellsart.com. And again, plenty of stuff to kind of check out there. As we were talking about earlier, very cool just because you can you know, very easily order prints and things like that. But to kind of, you know, follow up with the abstract landscape stuff, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me too is obviously we've got like some, you know, really intense colors as opposed to maybe some of those more traditional kind of planar colors. And I can imagine, you know, kind of going on some sort of caving expedition, you know, running into some bats or something like that and kind of like being like, oh, this will be something, you know, good to add. And there's like an inventiveness to that. The other thing that kind of becomes interesting and you kind of see this in some later works um, like uh, from the light series to me or the, the way that you kind of explore you know, how paint layers and how thin it can be. There's another one from that abstracted landscape series uh, called Mississippi Dreams, um, where you can kind of see like all those drips and the sky kind of dissolving and maybe some of the, you know, like it looks almost like a beachfront or like, you know, some kind of walked area that you can walk out to in, in terms of the water. And I'm assuming it's kind of based off of some of those locations you know, in that, in that region. But again, it's really interesting to see the way that some of these paintings, um, you know, the, the layering and the way that it starts to kind of dissolve becomes another element of that abstraction that I think finds itself into other bodies of work as well. So it seems like, you know, fitting with that idea of kind of exploring materials, you know, there's a time where you're kind of exploring, you know, materials, but then also different approaches to, you know, like, how do I want to kind of be an, working with the landscape how direct does it have to be how abstract can it be oh like the mississippi dreams for example um that one is painted on a cabinet door the one next to it is uh chocolate milk that mm -hmm. one's uh you know like that color that base kind of brown color is actually just the color of a piece of mat board so yeah you know i started um oh, you know just kind of like again like what are what are other mark making you know means I can use to move paint so like when you're talking about those thin ones like the light series um I'm using an airbrush you know and like that's how I'm getting like that ethereal kind of quality so that was that's like a whole new body of work with me and I never really mastered that airbrush either but you know and I kind of think about it relative to the timeline if we kind of jump back to that a little bit then in graduate school I'd imagine is a time where like you're you're talking about where you're really kind of trying out different things and you know from my recollection sculpture and installation start kind of you know popping up a lot more so maybe maybe talk a little about that well, let me speak a little bit about grad school and I think I could probably find one that speaks to that what I loved about the program at SIU Carbon you know Southern Illinois University at Carbondale where Dave and I met you know, like when I got there, like, you know, Shu Hong, you know, my advisor was like, you know, I, I took glass fusing and slumping. Um, so it was encouraged to like, you know, I wanted to take glass blowing, but they're like, you, you know, you have to take some prereqs before that. I took a, uh, a small metals class where I learned how to do like, you know, make jewelry and, you know, metalsmith, like brazing, soldering, you know, um, different, you know, metal finishing techniques. I took a sculpture class with Alex Lopez where I actually got to do like go to the foundry and like pour cast, you know, like iron, molten mm -hmm. iron into a cast. Um, great experience. Like, cause you know, like I'm, I grew up adjacent to a farm and there's just an old clawfoot tub sitting out there. Like the cows would drink water out of my uncles didn't want anymore. It's kind of like a mosquito pit now. Mm -hmm. um, so I took that over to Carbondale and we like smashed it with sledgehammers. Cause you know, like those tubs are made out of cast iron 
And uh, whenever you're working in the foundry, you're not using new iron. You're just using old cast iron that is, you know, smashed and melted down again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of turned me on too to that process of like, you know, like again, like the repurposing material. It always, you know, like for one artist, you know, we kind of have to be thrifty, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're not wealthy. So I think that was part of my, you know, you know, non-traditional material draw was like just kind of seeing like, you know, conceptually anything can be art, right? Duchamp taught us that. So like really now anything could be a support for a painting. Anything can be a medium for a sculpture. So like it, working at SIU with all these different, you know, influences, like I took an installation art class with Shu Hong. I took a performance class, like a new media class. Uh, where we use like microprocessors and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that really just kind of opened up my brain, you know, like it always kind of irked me that it was like, oh, your degree is in painting. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm more than a painter, you know? Mm-hmm. So like this whole category thing always just kind of annoyed me. And I get your degree is in art is a little too like, you mm-hmm. know, airy. So let's, let's narrow it down. So we're all about like kind of this narrowing tunnel vision again, it's categories don't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, So that's why I just loved that kind of multidisciplinary approach that they had at SIU. Right. Well, maybe we could talk about, you know, some of the work, you know, related to that or or whatnot on your website. You could probably go to On Wood. Mm -hmm. You can see, and actually I started the On Wood series. Well, here, let's go down to Ninja Gaiden. (laughs) Based off of that, you know, that uh, awesome Nintendo game. <laughs> and in that one, you see, uh, it's more than just like, now I'm painting on wood. Now it's like, oh, I'm looking at the wood grain and that's mm-hmm. landscape. Like I'm, I'm making it look like mountains. And then, you know, like actually using collaged bits, you know, like scenes from the game, like where I've, you know, just printed little ninjas and, and pasted them on there. It kind of gets into like where stuff that I was learning in like Peter Chemetsky's art history class, where he was talking about, you know, like Matisse, you know, kind of being like about the color and then like the next generation of painters being just about the paint, you know, and about the process behind it. So kind of like you were noticing in that Mississippi Dreams painting, like where I'm letting the drips, you know, stay instead of wiping them out. Drips are also visible in the Ninja Gaiden piece. Where, you know, it's just kind of like, this is letting like the, uh, the material do more of the heavy lifting. You know, what kind of annoyed me about my undergrad paintings where it was all like my premeditated brushstrokes equal this subject. Whereas like, you know, in grad school, I'm more like, how about we let the material be itself? You know, like, so it's more of a collaboration between me and material. It's not like I conquered this stone you know, into this form I want. It's, you know, more of a collaboration of discovery and exploration. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like grad school totally opened my eyes to that. I don't know if I would have ever hit upon that, you know, like without it being kind of, you know, again, explained to me so well uh, by Peter Chemetsky and then showing you like, oh, and here's all these postmodernists that are doing it. And, and just having like that support kind of network that you get, you know, like when you're in the bubble of academia. <laughs> it's just interesting because you're around all these people that are kind of going through that same battle, trying to figure out what's interesting. And you kind of get that encouragement to just kind of go for it, you know, to see where it goes and, and to figure it out. And I think, you know, that's always something that you, you know, really can't even teach people, you know, you can kind of encourage it, but it's like anytime that you go into something, you kind of have an idea of how it's going to go. And then, 
something else happens and you have to kind of figure it out. So, you know, I kind of Mm -hmm. appreciate that too, especially like with a lot of the things that we've been talking about in terms of material exploration or trying new processes to kind of figure out where you're, where you're headed. And I kind of think about that. I mean, obviously, you know, we stayed connected on and off during that time, but I don't know every single aspect of this. How long did it take you after graduate school to wind up in Nashville for a chunk of time and, and maybe take us through those stages in terms of getting to where you're at now? I think that you also kind of got involved in working with various arts organizations um, sometime after you kind of moved there. Yeah. So really, after I finished um, what I graduated in August of 2009, and pretty much moved immediately to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. My partner at the time, she was already down there. And what, by like January, the following January, I had a teaching art appreciation, you know, at Nashville State Community College. And then like, oh, within another six months, I was also at Ball State. And I've actually been at those two community colleges in some capacity ever since. Even when I was working full-time for the library, I was still mm-hmm. teaching some of those online classes with them. So yeah, uh, when I first moved to Tennessee, um, you know, 2009, if you recall, <laughs> it was like, you know, six people for every job, you know, it was not a good time. You know, there was like the recession going on, economy was all messed up. So I was looking for work, you know, like spending a lot of time doing that. And again, just not having any luck. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny that like job applications that I put in at Nashville State, you know, I put those in in like June. And then they contacted me in December, Mm -hmm. you know, about working in January. (laughs) So anyway, you know, like I had time to, to work on some of my new work. And like, I lucked out that like the first place I moved to uh, my partner, Sarah's mom had a tea room Mm -hmm. and it had like this big four car garage. And one of the slips was my studio and the tea room went under. And pretty soon after that, she rented out that building to a guy who, he, he was like, I want to, not only do I want to live here, but I also want to make it a business. And when he saw that I had an art studio in the garage that was adjacent to the house, he's like, let's make it an art gallery. Mm-hmm. So we started like an actual like community art group called the Art Brigade of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, it lasted a few months. Uh, we actually, there was another uh art group that was in uh, an adjacent city, Ashland city, they had already had like a thousand dollars saved up from like their community group. So they actually funneled that into our group. And again, you know, we had several shows. Uh, It went for, I mean, pretty, pretty much December. I moved into Nashville and away from that was Pleasant View a little bit on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I moved, that was kind of the end of, you know, the art brigade. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, initially though, it gave me, you know, I met artists in the community. Now, a lot of these are folk artists. Mm-hmm. So like these gallery shows that we had in the old tea room, you know, were like a kitten in a pair of sneakers. And, you know, like I remember uh, some friends coming down and I was showing them that space and they were thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like here's like my kind of avant-garde looking heat form plexiglass thing. And then here's puss in sneakers, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> But it, it, it was interesting, though, like just kind of, again, meeting those folk artists, people that are trying to make a living at, you know, selling art in that part of Tennessee. But yeah, like I said, the art brigade, I did a few classes for them. That one kind of dried up. But after moving into Nashville proper, I met, you know, just more artists. I had a show, a solo show uh, at Mirror Gallery in the arcade uh, in Nashville. And um, through that show, 
when I met like a Kelly Tipler, mm-hmm. who was the founder of Turnip Green and Turnip Green Creative Use started it in 2011. And, you know, it's been going ever since it started in Kelly Tipler's garage. I was like one of the first teaching artists. I would uh, go to her garage, load up with materials, and I would like go to the library for like an hour long uh, workshop on how to make Christmas ornaments out of reuse materials, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like Turnip Green, again, it just, it was our trunks, you know, like that's where it existed initially to now, um, you know, we we're, have moved into our fourth location. Nashville uh, real estate is ridiculous. Otherwise, we would have bought by now. We've managed to still stay in the urban corridor. Um, so it's like 10, 13, 3rd Avenue South. It's like mm, right in the middle of Nashville. Sure. Um, yeah. And um, again, you know, it's 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 grown to where um, it was all volunteer uh, ran to like now there's um, like four full time employees and 13 staff members. They're part time, a bunch of teaching artists. Our annual revenue is over a million dollars now, you know, so it, it just went from like something very small and it's, you know, grown to uh, something really impressive. And, I, you know, like throughout, I've been a teaching artist. I've been on several committees and I've been on the board. I've been a a board member for uh, 10 years now, Um, and I've just got uh, reelected for one more cycle. I'm going to do it for another two years, and and then I probably will step off finally. (laughs) But yeah, one of the main things I do with Turnip Green, though, is uh, the gallery committee. So like in 2021 alone, uh, we showed almost 200 artists, uh, either in our gallery or in our artist marketplace, where we show smaller, craftier things, or online through our social media. So Turnip Green Creative Reuse is a, our mission is to divert material from the landfill and towards creative endeavors, like, you know, back into the hands of artists. And we do this by, it's kind of like a goodwill where you can just donate material, but you name your price for it. So like, you know, like a nice, somebody donates an easel, you know, that would be like $300 and you pay a nickel for it, you know, no. Mm -hmm. That seems a little unfair, but you know, <laughs> again, it's name your price. Sure. Um, so sometimes people are extremely generous. It's something that's five dollars, and they'll give you fifty just because they love our the mission. So yeah, that's it's kind of interesting that a lot of my uh, you know ecology and sustainability you know uh, interests that were kind of in my thesis in grad school really like followed well into turnip green. It's been like the most harmonious uh, marriage I could think of, you know, mm-hmm. like with my uh, uh, interests, you know, and, and having community impact. Again, it's interesting to kind of, you know, start out in this, you know, this spot that fizzles out and then kind of moving to Nashville and kind of really getting involved with an organization, helping to kind of grow it. You know, I'm assuming, you know, that you kind of established and kind of met all these cool artists that would kind of influence, you know, the way that you were thinking. And, you know, I love that idea of like repurposing materials because that seems like something that certainly, you know, you're painting on doors, something that's, that's near and dear to you. One of the things that really becomes interesting too about the economy, especially of like materials is the way that you start kind of like, you know, pouring paint, making more sculptural kind of, um, you know, paintings as well as, you know, the paintings that I come to know you by. So maybe, maybe talk a little bit about some of those uh, paint sculptures that you kind of make. Cause again, they look like they're, 
you know, maybe like discards that are kind of like layered up around the buckets that eventually kind of become, you know, formed into something else. But how, how does that work? Because I have no idea if you're, you're making molds for that or you're literally like carving things and gluing them back together. But maybe, maybe talk about some of those pieces. So if we look at the paint sculptures section on my website, oh, the first two pieces that come up, Eddie and Wave Rider, those were uh, actually... I do this a lot with my work. If I still own it years later or I haven't sold it, uh, I might reconsider it and I might cut it up and represent it. <laughs> so uh, Eddie was actually, that was a piece called Subduction Number no. 1 that I showed in my second year of grad school. And it was it was basically like I was uh, really into horizon lines at the time. And, you know, like I was doing them flat you know like on paintings and I thought oh wouldn't it be interesting if we had this horizon line that was like you know almost like you're seeing a cross section of the earth you're seeing you know like the layers of you know like the the crust and you know the layers of beneath the surface so yeah that piece um I, you know I, I had it long enough and I was like what if I uh shave it you know like originally that piece you were asking about the process of how it's made that one, I just had like uh, a piece of like plywood, you know, quarter inch plywood that's maybe like, you know, four feet by like a foot wide. And I had it raised up. I would pour paint on it and the, the paint would drip off the sides. So you would get those almost like a paint sickle kind of looking edge. And, you know, I would let a day or two pass and then I would pour more paint. And, you know, like, yeah, like you mentioned, this paint was discards. It was I'd go to Lowe's, I'd go to the oops section mm -hmm. and I would get, you know, like a gallon for like five bucks. So much of it was donated to me. So much of it was from my friend, Craig Thomas. Like I said, he filled up my trunk that day with house paint. So anyway, I had, I had tons of house paint, you know, like 40 gallons of it at one point in my studio. So yeah, I would just keep, I would wait a day and pour it, wait a day and pour it. So um, that piece, Eddie, I would take a sharp utility knife, you know, like those ones that you can snap off the blades, you know, and I'd make it stick out like three inches and I would just slice into like three inches of paint, which is really hard to do. If you go uh, on my Instagram profile, I do show like a, when, I, when I'm making a, a, this piece called Focus, I show like a video of me cutting through that paint. Again, it's, it, it was arduous. <laughs> the, that paint, you know, I don't use like mats or ceiling paints. What I use are like semi-glosses or glosses because those actually are softer. If you were to take like a matte paint and try to cut through it, it's got so much like chalky uh, texture to it that it, it grabs the blade. It doesn't slice it too well. So yeah, whenever I'm, you know, doing these paint pours, again, I'm specifically using, you know, acrylic latex house paint that's like gloss, semi-gloss, satin. So yeah, um, in some instances, like I told you, that one was like on a raised support where it would have like kind of the paint sickles dripping off the edges. Well, sometimes I would make like a mold where I would just take like, you know, uh, one by twos and lay them on the floor and make like a, a square. And then I would take like heavy, like, you know, two millimeter thick plastic drop cloth. And I would lay that across that framework. And then I would start pouring the paint in there. And that way, you know, again, the one by two created the walls, you know, kind of basically was like a mold. And then I would have like, uh, you know, like this big old chunk of paint that, you know, I would then slice up into these, you know, about quarter, quarter inch to a half inch wide. 
and then you know like in the eddy piece i've oriented it so you like you know again you're not seeing what was the top surface you're seeing all of the cross section you know all the stuff that was revealed when i sliced it open so you know it's just kind of a piece about like this kind of vulnerability thing you know uh the first piece in this series uh it's not on this website but um it's called surfaces within and it was all about you know kind of a not just going by what we see on the surface, but, you know, like, oh, the emotions and like what lies beneath the surface, uh, not judging the book by its cover kind of thing. Now that piece, the, the Eddie piece, and then the like one from my thesis show looked a lot like Eddie. And like, it was interesting because I I didn't think of it as an Eddie in water until I um, was talking to other people. And like this one guy was a kayaker and he's like, this piece really makes me think of like a whirlpool. And um you know, like I thought that was kind of a, I don't know, like a more interesting and uh, story than my surfaces within thing. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I love water sports um, and I get a lot of inspiration from it. So I was like, you know, like why, what's wrong with like the next one when I revisit this form, like it's Eddie now. And, uh, but the first one is, this is kind of a good anecdote. I had entered a contest. There was a liquid logic there one of the best makers of kayaks in the eastern United States and they were expanding their facility and they were like we want to cover our walls with artwork from you know our fans from like-minded people so uh, I entered this competition the work I selected they did not pick but they went through my website and he's like I am very interested in this this and this so we bartered I traded uh one piece that's a lot like Eddie for the kayak like a 12 and a half foot kayak <laughs> um i traded another painting um it's called paint rock i don't have anything up that looks like it but it's where i was uh, heat forming plexiglass to look like bluffs that had i would then take like these paint skins like the you know i was talking about how i would pour on plastic one of those random little spills and stuff i just peel those all up and stack them and then slide them into like this kind of heat formed pocket I'd made in the plexi so it looked like a bluff and it, and I'd have like rusty water running down it so yeah he he just loved it because it reminded him of like those bluffs you see along the river so anyway I traded uh that painting for like a 350 dollar paddle um, <laughs> a skirt and a life jacket so two paintings for like great kayaking gear <laughs> Yeah. And we, when we actually went to drop off the paintings, it was in Fletcher, North Carolina. My buddy Derek and his wife, Lee, came with me and we just made a week of it. We went kayaking throughout like the Smokies, like for a whole week, camping every night, you know, uh, did a lot of whitewater rafting, like with his cousin. But uh, I didn't really know what I was doing too well in that kayak yet. It was mm -hmm. still very green. And we went on the Nan Nantahala, which is like, uh, you know, it's a it's like class threes and fours, you know, it's a whitewater river. And I flipped over twice, um, <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, damn. Oh, that sucked. That was awful. Oh, we're only halfway. You can't just walk the rest of the way. You have to get back in the boat and, and continue. Um, so we get to the end and uh, one more big drop. My buddy's wife is like, I ain't doing this shit. Y'all are nuts. I'll wait <laughs> on the side and take pictures. Um, and I'm following my buddy, like, because he knows what he's doing. I'll just mimic him. He gets into an eddy that pulls him back out of the mainstream and I just go flying by him. So there's like this, uh, it's called a tongue where there's like a drop off on the water and you're supposed to shoot for that tongue. And like I had gone backwards and falling out. So I just swam that whole thing. <laughs> and then my, my boat gets to the bottom of that waterfall 
and it's all like pressed up against a rock and my buddy's like wow that must be a you know a quality kayak because that would have pancaked most boats <laughs> where it just wraps around it so uh I, I just throw that in backstory in there dave so um uh, you know that there's many a times i've been flipped over in a boat uh, <laughs> sure so when that when that happened in west virginia at least i was like okay i know to hold on to the paddle i know to look for the you know like been there done that kind of thing <laughs> sure well, and it's interesting because, I mean, again, you know, like even though we're talking about these paint sculptures, you know, like I think all of that is in there, you know, and it, obviously like I think even the one that I was talking about, the Wave Rider piece, you know, like has those kind of like lines and kind of like gestures and textures that start making you think about, you know, landscape and, you know, those types of experiences. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that becomes really interesting to me to think about your work is that there's so much of that that informs it, you know, so much of being out in the outdoors. And, you know, I talk about this with artists all the time because I'm very interested in place. So it'll be like, oh, you grew up on a farm. That makes sense. But it never kind of like goes to that extreme, I guess, where like I can see a real kind of connection with that. And, you know, it makes sense. You know, like I think back to, you know, when we went, you know, there's a hurricane, you know, we, we all freak out in the morning that we're all, you know, making the wrong decision, um, you know, cause they release the, you know, the dam and you're seeing all of this water shooting out. It's super misty, foggy. Like, again, you think like, wow, this is the backdrop of great art, you know? Yeah. And, and certainly something that you can kind of pull from, from that experience. And obviously that's really unique because, you know, we've maintained all these friendships and we kind of go back out there to do this, which is incredible. But I imagine that's certainly something that maybe finds a way into, you know, things that you're interested in, in terms of, you know, what you're making now. And maybe that would be something to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, in terms of where you're at now. Are there current projects and things that you're kind of working through that maybe we could kind of, you know, end on to, to kind of, you know, give people to kind of uh, make sure that they're staying up with your Instagram uh, and, and, you know, your website and to see what's going on there. But what's going on now? So I've continued to, um, you know, kind of expand, you know, like I said, a uh, given another option, I might've done sculpture in undergrad. And like, I, I really like, you know, like a lot of my work you'll see has rust in it and metal. Mm -hmm. um, and I love like walking along the train tracks and finding these like rusty metal straps and stuff. It's not the best picture, but on my website, uh, that same gallery in paint sculptures, the last one called Focus, mm -hmm. um, that's a whiskey barrel ring. Uh, and then like these thin straps of, uh, again, rusted steel. And I just kind of love making these new paintings or new sculptures or paint sculptures, I often call them. But I love how the rust makes them look authentic. It makes it look aged. And I love how, you know, like a lot of my work kind of, you know, it's inspired by landscape. But, you know, like when you look at it, you, it's almost like some kind of post-apocalyptic landscape. You know, it seems a little disheveled and, you know, some of the colors almost seem a little you know, like toxic or something. So, you know, I love the work kind of being a place, you know, to heal. Um, but I also kind of like that tension that's created, you know, like again, with like rusted material that again, just kind of, uh, you know, it just makes it look like old, rusty, authentic, not new, not, old, you know, nothing that I even made almost like it just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. What I've been working with a lot lately is um, using a welder. Um, I got like a, a flux welder, you know, it's kind of like a MIG welder, but smaller, more hobby. And I've been, it's not on my website, it's on my Instagram, but this piece called uh, Mind and Body, 
and it's a, a hook that I found in the woods and it's uh, got this chain that I found with the hook in the woods and I, I welded it into like a nice circle circle shape and then I just used like hydrogen peroxide to soak the, the chain in that to just really rust it mm-hmm. and then I start coating all of this paint over it these layers and layers that are uh, colors that you would think of you would associate with oxidizing metal so it almost looks like a big thick crust of corrosion all over that chain but again it's just house paint but you know it's kind of like forcing that uh, kind of illusion to happen with my color choice it was fun. Yesterday, Emily and I were walking around the block and I, I was walking by this trash can that was just overflowing with dog do bags, you know, like <laughs> people throw their dog waste in there. But right on top of it was chain, big, thick links of chain. So like I, uh, you know, I was walking around. We, it's a, a, a baseball field and we actually see that they had replaced like where they had, were chaining the gates shut with new like shiny chains. So that was just them throwing away old chain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, true to form with my, you know, reclaiming material, I uh, I took that chain home with, yeah, I actually went back to get some bags because I didn't want to touch the shit, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, went and got some Kroger bags, stuck three different lengths of chain, you know, brought it home with me. There's one you can kind of see there, like on the door, uh, where it's kind of like this, uh, oh, you know, like <laughs> the one on the right is actually, <laughs> the one on this side is the Brussels sprout. <laughs> We grew some Brussels sprouts this year, and I just love the way that um, the the trunk looked. Um, and I'm just kind of juxtaposing that with like what I'm doing with the chain. Um, so anyway, the the chain piece is just kind of showing like almost like a moment of inertia where it's about to like swing back the other way. Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna scrap that one because I don't like how thin the chain is because the chain I found last night was like the thick links. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'll be working on more of those where it's showing like kind of the chain in a moment of like almost like the pendulum's about to swing back the other way Mm -hmm. and i'll be um using some extra wire to kind of create like ghost chain almost like you're seeing like you know it's last step but whenever i start dipping it in paint that'll just be you know like just you know more surface for the paint to kind of highlight so yeah that's kind of you know like again no, I would not know if I'd say a new direction. It's just kind of like I got a new toy, you know, I got the welder. Um, and it's just kind of a continuation of the old themes. Because a lot of the work when it is the cross section, it's about moments in time, you know, kind of like for people to think of, you know, like a thousand years from now, if we were to like slice into like, you know, where you were, what would be the residue? Like, you know, what would be the layers left behind by you? So I always kind of want people to think about like, you know, their own mark, like their own, you know, like influences and what they're doing, you know, what they're leaving for the next generation. Yeah. And it's, again, really interesting because, you know, something that we haven't talked maybe as much about too, is obviously, you know, you've kept up with, with more traditional kind of painting, plein air painting, you know, that seems like something that's almost like a, something you can kind of jump back to while you're also you know, rescuing chain link out of, you know, garbage cans and, you know, dumpster diving and kind of reclaiming these things. So again, it's really interesting to kind of see that kind of balance in there, you know, like there's a, there's a something that's very easy and mobile to kind of like work from, you know, on site, but then there's also all of these kind of experimental works where you're trying to see how these different materials will kind of come into play or kind of continuing to kind of learn those new processes and, and see what kind of shakes loose. So again, it's just really interesting that kind of balance of all these different approaches. And yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, 
exciting to kind of see the way that you're working. You know, again, it's something where like you could imagine the type of tedious work that you're talking about, you know, making hours and hours of, you know, series work and kind of being, you know, a thousand percent focus. I would imagine there's a lot that you kind of learn just kind of by experimenting and kind of seeing, you know, the way that these start kind of speaking to each other when you see them in a room together, especially, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say as a, as a teacher, cause you know, I, uh, unfortunately I've not been able to, you know, make my living off of art at this point, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still relying on, you know, again, teaching. I would definitely say that like teaching has made me a better artist. I don't know. I, I imagine you can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it almost like whenever I first was teaching like 2D design and 3D design, I was like going over the principles of design. And I was like, you know, I like I knew this stuff, but like I didn't have the language. So at, at the tip of my tongue, like I do now, mm-hmm. you know, it's like just being a teacher makes you really adept at the visual language, makes you better at talking about art. You know, I'm, I remember some of our critiques in grad school, you know, there was people who could talk shop. And there was the ones who couldn't, you know, they had to just fake it and, you know, and suffer until it was no longer their turn to mm-hmm. be critiqued. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Totally. Like teaching uh, has made me like a 100%, you know, more effective, you know, uh, artist, I would say. So remind us, are, are there any kind of like upcoming shows or anything like that that you're working away for? Yeah, uh, I actually have three group shows in 2023. Um, so one of them is in June. It's at the Gordon Jewish Community Center in Nashville. That show is like, uh, we call it the Encore Group. It's just artists that uh, do uh, work in reuse media. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've shown at Turnip Green Creative Reuse before. So we've kind of vetted them that way. And then in July, uh, um, another group show. This one is going to be uh, at Turnip Green Creative Reuse in our Green Gallery. Uh, and that's with the Nashville Collage Collective. Mm-hmm. So again, it's you know artists using reuse material, but specifically collage. And it doesn't have to be like two-dimensional collage. You know, it could be like, you know, collage is just, you know, layering basically is how I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in September, uh, one more uh, group show with that uh, encore group. And that will also be in the Green Gallery at Turnip Green Creative Reuse. And remind everybody too, what's the website for Turnip Green? Yeah, it's all uh, one word, turnipgreencreativereuse.org. Awesome. Yeah, and also uh, they have a, a great presence on uh, in, uh, social media. You can find them on um, Facebook and Instagram. Well, and I guess, you know, obviously I want people to make sure that they, you know, check out what's going on. Is the best place really like Instagram? It seems like that's usually where everybody winds up going or? Don't, totally my Instagram. Um <clears throat> Like with my website, uh, when you go uh, to it, you know, it has an opportunity for you to sign up for the uh, newsletter. So that'd be one way to kind of get the updates. But uh, in terms of more like, yeah, what am I doing day to day? My Instagram at Wells Paintings uh, would be the the best way to kind of follow along as well as my website, jakewellsart.com. Sure, sure. Well, again, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what you uh, reclaim uh, in the future. You know, you can imagine, again, just kind of being lost in the woods or taken to a junkyard could be <laughs> your major your major source of inspiration. But again, it, it just strikes me everything kind of always comes back to nature in some way. And that's something that we certainly talked about, you know, here and there throughout uh, the entire uh, podcast. So again, you know, excited to have this opportunity to talk to you. I know we've been friends for a long time and certainly talked about artwork a long time, but it's nice to kind of put this in, in this context uh, and actually record one of these conversations that we're used to having, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this.
Yeah. Oh, great, man. Um, no, I, I did a, um, a brief interview with the people's hub, um, last month and it was, they, you know, again, they were kind of like, Oh, let's, let's a summary of your artist artistic career. And it was kind of cool to look back over the 20 years. And I think it's important to have these kind of moments, you know, like where we stop and like really kind of like look back at what we've done and kind of, I don't know, pat ourselves on the back or if anything, you know, learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so honored that you asked me to talk. I'm glad to be here. Thanks once again to Jake for joining me. You can see more work on his website, jakewellsart.com. And of course, you can order prints there, which is super cool. Be sure to sign up for his newsletter so that you can stay up to date with upcoming exhibitions. Again, he's got a couple of group exhibitions, one in June at the Gordon Jewish Community Center in Nashville with the Encore Group. In July, it's going to be Turnip Green Creative Reuse in Nashville, part of the Collage Collective. And then in September at Turnip Green once again as part of the Encore Group. So again, be sure to follow him at Wells Paintings to stay up to date on Instagram. If you enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to studiobreak.com. We've got a big archive going back 11 years. Tons of artists featured there. You can find images of their work and, of course, links to their websites. You can listen right there on studiobreak.com or just smash those links and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, if you leave us some positive reviews, you earn some extra karma points. So please go the extra mile. You can help spread the word. Likewise, when you're on studiobreak.com, be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. Not only will be announcing upcoming shows at Studio Break Gallery, as well as opportunities for artists, recent podcasts, will also be giving away one of my paintings at the end of the year, so be sure to sign up for that newsletter. Music for today's episode is by myself, Ben Cohan, and Brett Beery. Golden Shadow Band, you can find us on Instagram. We've got an EP that we put out last year that you can check out there, at Golden Shadow Band on Instagram. You can find some of Ben's paintings by following him there at Studio. And of course, if you want to listen to some music, you can check out some of Brett's recordings on Instagram, linked up there at Brett Beery. If you'd like to see some of my paintings, you don't have to go far because it's all incorporated into Studio Break. Just check them out. And of course, you can find me uh, at David Linaway on Twitter, Facebook, you name it. And one last reminder, you can find us in social media. So be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break. And of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. Once again, it's always great hearing from you, especially if you enjoyed an artist featured on the podcast Hope that it's allowing you to be even more productive and excited and creative while you're in the studio. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.